out today with God's praises this morning with us. Forever, he is a friend of mine, the God of 
is always by my
is fleeting, upon this rock I will stand. Upon this rock I will stand. Glory, glory, we have no
Jesus, you are near. of God surrounding me and casting out all fears the hand that holds the heavens is the mighty hand that saves Voice that calms the stormy seas is calling me by name. I'm singing in the victory, the victory of the cross. I'm resting in the shadow of your redeeming love. I'm standing on the promise the promise of your life cause I am yours forever in Jesus you are mine yeah Jesus you are mine and when I have forgotten of your grace Yes, I'll remember Calvary where you took my place I'm singing in the victory the victory of the cross I'm resting in the shadow of your redeeming love
As we remain standing today, um, we're doing a little different if you've been here before. We're just going to go right into our uh, tithe and offerings. If you're visiting, we don't expect you to, uh, to do that. You are our guest today, and um, we just want you to relax in the Lord. So let's just pray. Lord God, right now we just ask for your Holy Spirit to be upon each of us. Fill this room, God. Give your blessing upon both the tither and the giver that we can further your ministry here and around the world. For Jesus, you are mine, and we are singing in the victory of the cross. And that's what we reside in. In your name we pray.
thank you for your presence here, Lord. Thank you. Praise you. Go ahead, praise him. We can do that. That's all right. You can interrupt my prayer. It's him. It's about him anyway. I don't care. So, hey, um, let's just let's just pray right now. God, whatever you have for us today, just just spread your presence around here. You know, even I, I just feel like your your spirit is trying to tell us something here. You're telling us that um, we don't have to be afraid. You're telling us that um, there's victory in you. So God, whatever you have for us today, whatever the, the messages you want to place on our hearts, if we are, are not sure about what tomorrow may bring us, we can be sure one thing, that there's victory in the name of Jesus and that we are no longer slaves. We are child of children of God. In your name, we give you all the praise and glory. And everybody says, amen. All right. All right. Now, let me wipe my tears away already. It's going to be fun. I don't know what I'm preaching about. Um, but anyway, um, I want you to say hi to somebody, and then our children go to our Shoreline Sunday School Ministry. All right, a couple things I want to go over. I want to touch on a couple of announcements, but mainly we want to go to our prayer time because we want to continue in this, uh, the presence of the Lord today. Number one, I want to welcome any visitors that we have here today. Again, I say this every week. We believe that you are here um, by one of those God divine appointments. We believe that God wanted you here today. And so um, just number one, relax. And number two, just, just enjoy. We want to thank you for being here. Hopefully you received the card. Just thanking, um, just we're our way of thanking you for being here today. We want to welcome Church Online that's also with us. And, um, and again, if you have any questions, by all means, just ask one of the ushers or someone else. And we'll be glad to go ahead and, um, and get uh, everybody uh, together with us. All right? So, um, several other things we're going to touch on very briefly. Um, if you want to look at the youth events that are coming on, the card ministry, Footprints, uh, thank you. They delivered 12 baskets to fire, police, EMT, and sheriff stations in Rising Sun, Northeast, Charlestown, Elkton, and Cecilton for our first responders. Um, the Haven Home Repair Project is um, in there with the ramp. You can see that information, and please go ahead and, um, and, go ahead and contact them if you have any other uh, questions. The, uh, the Haven's Helping Hands uh, Blanket Bags of Care. Today, you can see the insert. That is right here. We want to make sure that you get that. They're out here today, and we um, want to touch on that. And also, Paris Foundation is today, and we're doing well. And then our next time is September 16th. I want to keep that in there. We want to go to our, our prayer concern time as well, and Joyce, Jennifer Legullo, um, there is a uh, youth beach trip 
on uh, Wednesday, so pray for sunshine, which this uh, summer we need to pray for a lot. It seems like it's always raining, and for safe travels. And then also this is the time of year where all the college students are going ahead and going back to school, so you want to pray for them. Um, I have uh, written down here, Dana has bir- had a birthday this week, right, Dana? All right. She told me not to mention it, but I did anyway. Um, prayers for Jenny McGall, who has been sick for the last two weeks. So we're going to lift Jenny in your prayers as we do so. Um, for Stephen uh, Snyder Jr., um, a racing friend who was in a car accident yesterday with a drunk driver. So he is um, eight years old and has internal bleeding. So we want to go ahead and lift him in your prayers as well. And we also want to lift up the, uh, for the prayers for the family of Loretta Comages. Loretta passed away uh, this last week, and so we want to um, ask for prayers for her. Also, um, from, i, I got to bring this out because it's a prayer request on here. Um, the prayer request went out for a newborn baby, <clears throat> Emma Grace, um, who was born um, August 8th. I received a call the other night that it did not look good, that she could pass away in a couple hours. Um, I, went, I asked for prayers. I went down to Johns Hopkins, prayed with the family. And this family knows about miracles. Her mom is uh, written up. She had lots of heart issues when she was a kid, lots of surgeries, and she is um, uh, st- strong. And so I asked the, um, the grandmother, Linda, today. She, I asked about how she is. She's doing a lot better. Sepsis is gone. She's off all three blood pressure medicines. Heart failure was caused by sepsis. She will be off the vent either today or tomorrow. She's only, um, only on room air now. She's alert and trying to push the vent out with her tongue and getting mad. Her heart function is almost back to normal. They're still treating her as though she has trisomy 18. But Kelly, that's the mother, is telling them she does not because God is in control. He moves mountains. Amen. So, so keep the prayers up for little Emma Grace. Keep those prayers going because um, it's extremely important. Prayer is our spiritual battle, and we want to use that. All right? Um, and so let me just pray really quickly for all these prayer requests. Lord God, as we uh, lift up all these prayers and concerns, you know the needs in every single one of them. We've asked for traveling mercies. As we know, uh, many people are traveling during this time of year, and it seems like this year there's been a lot of different accidents. For, um, for birthdays and anniversaries, for those who are dealing with sickness, for, those, for just the, the tragic story of what we hear from uh, a friend of Stevens who, because of a drunk driver, um, a young boy is, uh, it has internal bleeding. God, just be the chief surgeon there. For that little baby girl who, um, who it looked like uh, this was going to be it, God, we just claim your healing and your direction for her life. And for these and all other things, we give you praise, for you are a mighty God who we serve, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from Ecclesiastes 9:11 from the New Living Translation. I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner does not always win the race, and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy, and those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It is all decided by chance and by being in the right place at the right time.
good? You good, Wes? Did you miss me this week? Yep. All right, good. We spent last week in Haiti, so he missed me. I missed you too. Yeah, hey, I want to, yeah, that's true. I want to let you know, um, real quick update there. Uh, the other day, Pastor Oog went ahead and all of the stuff that we collected to take down there, um, they gave out to the community. And uh, we'll get that so that you can see. It was just awesome. It was like an early Christmas for, for many of these people. It's just awesome to see that. So thank you guys continually for your support and, um, and all that stuff. I know some of you who don't have a, a clue are getting lots of friends from Haiti um, for, on Facebook. Uh, just check to see if they're Pastor Oog's friends and you're good. It's spelled hug, Pastor Hug. All right, so today we are continuing in our second week of our series. There's no tent this week, so I won't take a nap. I didn't plan on preaching this long today. Um, but uh, but we, we're talking about dreaming big and having dreams. Last week we spent some time talking about Abraham and Sarah and how um, Abraham prayed for a son, wanted a son, and he was thinking, son, Son, and 10 years or so went by before that, and God was blessing him, and he said, what good is this blessing if I don't have anybody to leave it to? And God took him outside and changed his perspective and said, look up at the skies. You're thinking son, I'm thinking nations, all right? And then we talked about Father Abraham and all that kind of stuff, all right? So uh, our, our main focus of that in the beginning of the series is that we think addition, and God thinks what? Multiplication, multiplication. So today we are going to continue the series, Dream Big, and our, our series today is going to be The Right Place at Right Time. Now I want to tell you, I have, no, I'm, I have an idea where I think I'm supposed to head, but I'm not totally sure, and I know that's dangerous for all of you, uh, because I'm not totally sure where this is, is going to go, because God, I was thinking one thing, and God really, really changed it this week. Um, so our theme verse, let's look at our theme verse here from Psalms. Here we go. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who did what? Dreamed. 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 Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with song, uh, songs of joy. How many of you over this last week need a little bit more laughter? How many need some joy in your life? All right. Then you guess what you got to do? You got to dream a little bit more. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them, the Lord has great, done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. joy. There is this connection throughout Scripture between dreams and joy when God is in the midst of all of this. So this is our, our theme verse. Last week, what we started to say, and I said this several times, is you have no idea. You have no idea what God may produce with a single seed of faith, a single seed planted in faith. We have no idea. God is about multiplication. He said that one seed in the good soil can give 30, 60, 100-fold crop. It's not addition. One plus one to God does not equal two. It equals thousands. And so the question that I want to start with today is, have you ever in your life been in a place that you expected not to be? Anyone? A good place that you're not expected to be. Bad place? Good place, bad place, we can, let's say, let, help me out here. How many of you have been in a good place in your life that you never expected to be in? All right, good. How many of you have been in a bad place that you never expected to be in? Okay, it's about even, that's pretty scary. All right, so, but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, and, and last night, Melissa and I were headed home, um, for, by the way, Debbie's son got married last night, uh, Nathan, so 
That's good. And that's where, we, that's where we're headed back from. And I had this really good story about, um, about, you know, being in the right place at the right time. And then it went completely out of my mind. And God won't give it back to me. We'll blame it on God rather than my, my mind, which is failing, okay? So, and guess what? Melissa can't get it either. So if she doesn't remember it and I don't get it, um, it's not good. But she did come up with some. One of those, which I've shared before, is when we were on a trip to Israel. Um, we were in New York City. And I went to the bathroom. Now, that's not where the good place I was at, okay? But at that moment, it probably was. And so, but I went in there, and guess who was in there? Some of you know. Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Like, people were like, Mr. Rogers. I was in a bathroom, and he was like, howdy, neighbor. No, just joking. Um, so, knocked on the stall, changed his shoes. I don't know. Um, but, but no, Mr. Rogers was there, and if you don't know, Fred Rogers was actually an ordained minister and was actually on his way on a mission trip to Russia at the time, and this was in the 80s. And he was a really nice guy, just like he was on TV. He was really nice. So I got to see him. Um, one time, I was golfing with friends of mine and, uh, down at the old Brantwood Golf Course, and as we were golfing, uh, there was... Um, there was a group of gentlemen that were playing in front of us. And when we got to that ninth hole midway through, we see these gentlemen, and they were, they were big guys, going ahead, and they began to go ahead and take out a roll of money. And, you know, like when you're going ahead and you're playing, and if somebody's slow play, usually say, go ahead and play through. So we got there, and you see these big gentlemen with, muscular gentlemen, with like a roll of dollars. Like, I was like, hey, I'd rather play with you guys, okay? Um, but as we're sitting there, uh, again, this is in Brantwood, right down across the bridge. And so as we're sitting there, they're, um, they're talking, and I was like, one of them looks really familiar. So we go through, we play, and then at the end, and we're sitting in the parking lot, and my friend Paul goes, we're, we're huge Philadelphia Eagles fans, in case you don't know, all right? Um, all right? So we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, my friend Paul goes, I think that's Wes Hopkins. Now, for those of you who don't follow football, you're like, who the heck's Wes Hopkins, right? For me, it was like the clouds parted, the sun came down, one of the greatest cornerbacks ever in Eagles history. Ah, and my friend's like, I think it's Wes Hopkins. I said, I don't know. And you know me, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ask. And I said, excuse me, are you Wes Hopkins? And he said, why, yes, I am. And I went, awesome! And I shook his hand. And I was probably really, really stupid at that moment, stupider than I usually am. And um, we were there, and then all of a sudden, my really brave friend Paul comes over. Hi, nice to meet you, Mr. Hopkins, like that. And I was like, yeah, where were you? And you're like, that's Wes Hopkins, right? So I was in those right places at right time. Another time, one time I was, uh, see, I'm still trying to find the story. Um, but one time, um, my parents knew somebody who was the uh, uh, vice president of public relations for the Phillies. And I've been to a lot of Phillies games over the years. I've been in the old vet, which was horrible, but it was an experience. That's what you say when something's horrible, but it's your team. It was an experience. Um, I've been in the Citizen Bank Park, had, had a 13-game plan twice in the history. And enjoyed it. But this one time, they invited us. They picked us up and took us in. And we walked. We went underneath the stadium. They took us into this elevator, and we went upstairs. Right there was the 1980 championship trophy. We walked in. I'm sitting in a di we, we had dinner on 
plates that said Phillies on it and had Phillies silverware. Walking around were like uh, Paul Owens, who was, the, who was in the World Series manager in a, um, for the Phillies. Dallas Green, some people remember that name, who won the World Series. Um, I saw him. I was talking to people. And it was all because I went with the right people. I was in the right place at the right time. It was awesome. It was incredible. I was in a place that if I walked up there today they, and I tried to get in, they would arrest me and take me out. But because of who I was with and because they, they collected me with, with that person and that's who I am, so there was no questions that existed here. In the verse that was read to us today by Rachel, it's a neat verse from Ecclesiastes. And tell me if you can relate to this. He says, I observed something under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. Have you noticed that? Anybody ever gone to the racetrack with horses? They're like, can we say that in church? Oh, yeah, go ahead. All right. The strongest warrior does not always win. Anybody remember Iron Mike Tyson and a name James Buster Douglas? Aren't we still amazed to this day that that happened? And things like that. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. Isn't that true? Some of the most educated people seem to struggle the most, and some of the the least educated people, the people who have the least amount of common sense, seem to make it. Don't you ever wonder those things? And here's what he says. It's all decided by chance by being in the right place and the right time. Being in the right place at the right time. i got to tell you this is encouraging to me because if you look at this body, I'm not the fastest. I can't even remember a story, so I'm not the most intelligent. Um... And you see, God, when when we see that if we have a chance, even if we're not the smartest, the most talented, the most powerful, um, the swiftest, it's good to know that with God, it's even more of a chance. That with God, we have this extra level. That what he says, that what we learn here, that with God, it makes us, God works through all things and puts us in places that are the right place and right time. Some of you may say, well, wait a second, Jack. I'm not seeing, seeing God move uh, in my life. I'm not seeing these things that you're talking about. And I would dare say one of those things is because we're not looking for it and we're not seeing it because of all the other stuff in our lives that's there. And maybe because we are not really in a right place. When Jesus was sitting and the religious leaders of the time were talking to him, they were doing some stuff on the Sabbath and and Jesus had always had this conflict. I think Jesus kind of did stuff on the Sabbath to mess with their religiosity. Anybody ever mess with somebody's religiosity? Not their faith, but their religiosity. You'll see people get a little bit nervous when you start making, um, messing with some of that. And Jesus did that a lot. And here's what he said. He said this in John chapter 5. My father is always working, and so am I. In other words, he says, he later says, Sabbath was made for us. Sabbath was made for us, and I could do a whole sermon series on how we don't take Sabbath and rest. But what he's saying here, there you go, good job, Melissa found the story. Um, (laughs) Hallelujah, all right. See, you be faithful to God, he's going to put you in the right place, hallelujah. Um, I would have thought about that for days. Um, Thank you, Jesus. You want to know now, don't you? I may tell you. All right, so... um, (laughs) But, but what he says is, my father is always working. When you look around you, in other words, God is not taking a break for Sabbath. That's for us. God is always at work. And Jesus says, I'm not resting either. I'm not taking a break. A couple of chap- uh, verses later, look what he says in verse 19. 
He says, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. What's the father doing? From the previous chapter, what? Everybody say work. Work. Work, work, work. I'm sorry. Um, So anyway, he's doing what the father says. Whatever the father does, the son does. So there is work that continues, continues. Here's the story. I'm going to give it to you. Melissa and I went to New York City. Here we go. Now we're in the zone. We went to New York City, and we tend to do this in the coldest time of the year because we often do it for our birthday, which is January 23rd. This year that we went, we ended up um, going on the coldest day in New York recorded history. Melissa does not like the cold. Neither do I. But I have a little bit more to protect me than she does. So we're there. We're walking around. Anybody ever been, spent time in New York City? You go see shows. You walk around. So the uh, day or so before we went, on that Saturday, I said, let's do something interesting. So I called uh, for tickets to David Letterman. All right? I said, one of those bucket list things, let's see him before he rides out, you know, in the sunset. So on Monday, they called me and they asked me this great question. Um, do you know who, you got to ask a question, uh, who is his orchestra leader? I said, Paul Schaefer, because I've known it from when I'm a kid. They said, great, you have tickets. Here's where you'll show up this such and so time. So we're like, okay, cool. So remember, it's freezing. We're bundled up. We go, we walk in, and when we get inside, because they had everybody inside the Ed Sullivan Theater, it wraps all around. And as we're in there, um, Melissa looks at me and says, well, if we had gotten here a little bit earlier, maybe we probably could have had some, some better seeds, but it's okay. We're fine. And we were like, okay, cool. She wouldn't be a mean. I might have said that mean. She'll yell at me later and said, I wasn't that mean. So she wasn't mean, right? She wasn't mean. Okay, so we stand in line. We go through. We get up. And you know how, like, when you go to amusement parks and stuff, people have, like, a little badge, and it says their name um, and where they're from? So we get up there, and this girl's giving you your tickets, and she looks at me, and I said, I see her, ta- her tag, and it said her name, and underneath it said, Bel Air, Maryland. So I said, hey, you're from Bel Air, Maryland. She said, yes, I am. I said, I'm across the bridge in Cecil County, Maryland. How you doing? She's like, oh, great, yeah. I said, yeah, and we, you know, I talk to anybody uh, and, so, and everybody. So all of a sudden, she reaches down in, she goes and grabs a ticket and get, gives us two tickets, and we go, and we're supposed to go back in at that entrance level because it was so freezing they had rented a place around the corner for us to all go stand. So this lady says, can you show us all your, um, your tickets? Can you show us um, your tickets? Can you turn them around the back? And so we turn around the back, and Melissa and I had, like, these little gold stars on the back, these little stars. And she looks at everybody and says, okay, everybody stay here except for you two. You're going to come outside with me. And I thought, we're getting kicked out already. Here we go. <laughs> so we walk outside. It's, again, it's freezing. And she goes, I don't know what you did or who you know, but somebody really likes you, and they want you to be part of our audience leaders. And I looked at Melissa and went. <laughs> so after that, they took us. They said, you'll come back in, and you'll get in this other line. So we get in this line. We were the third row back, so like when, and they said, tonight, we're going to pan and do a picture. Now, it would have been great if I I remembered this, because I have the video and the picture of when they pan, and it's us, and I'm going, and it's like a split second. I'm talking to my friend from Chicago on the phone when it's on that night, and I'm like, dude, you got to see this. We're on David Letterman. He's like, you're kidding me, man. I'm like, no, we're on David Letterman. He's on the phone with me. I'm watching. I said, here it comes. Here it comes. And they say, and tomorrow night we'll have Scarlett Johansson. And there's my Melissa and I, and then 
we're behind Scarlett Johansson, and that was it. But guess what? We were on David Letterman. He goes, dude, you said you were on David Letterman. I said, I was. I was. I got the video and the picture to prove it. We were on David Letterman. Why? Because we were in the right place at the right time. There you go. And I have the right mouth to talk to anybody. There we go. So what we see here, I want to show you a couple brief pictures of people who are in the wrong place at the wrong time, if you will, right now. Let's look at this first one. Here we go. This person. Wrong. Everybody say it with me. Wrong place. Wrong time. All right. Next one. All right. Be careful where you park your car, because it's what? Wrong place. Wrong time. Next one. Looks like somebody who just went out yesterday or the last couple weeks, right? A wrong place, wrong time. Next one. <laughs> wrong colonoscopy doctor, I think. So, all right, here we go. Wrong place, wrong time. Here we go. This one. All right, you know, there's a lot of weddings, a lot of engagements. Uh, can you say photobomb? Wrong place, wrong time. Right in front of Disney. Here's one. Here's a wedding picture. Next. Wrong place. <laughs> Wrong time, right? Next one. Wrong place. Wrong time. And he knew it. He knew it. All right. Next one. Wrong seat on the bus. When you get on a bus, make sure where you sit. Okay? That's painted on the side. All right. Wrong place, wrong time. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Next one. Wrong place, wrong time. Hey, hey. Don't give me that. You should have seen the ones I kicked out. <laughs> All right. You see, we live, one of the things that we see is in order to be in the right place and right time, we live in a time of decisions. We're in, a, we're in an interesting place in a time of decisions. And what we find out now is that nowadays we don't make very good decisions simply because we have way too many choices. Like, for instance, you remember the days when you would get on a plane and you watch a movie, and there was one movie for everybody on the plane. Anybody have Netflix? The other day I was looking for something on Netflix. I ended up getting so frustrated because there's so many choices, I didn't watch anything. And that's what we do a lot in life. We have so many choices that we are paralyzed. But one of the things that our decisions are, are really important. Today's kids go ahead and graduate. When I graduated, you had a choice. You work, you go to school, you join the military. That's it. One of those three. Now people study abroad. They go ahead. Um, they uh, travel. They do online courses. They want to become YouTube famous, whatever it may be. There are many, many choices. And often people don't choose because there's so many decisions. What I do find, though, is that the decisions that we make, the decisions that we make determine where we are tomorrow. The decisions that we make today determine where we are tomorrow. And so in this uh, right place at right time, I started thinking about some people in Scripture, some people who, who went ahead and, and biblical examples of being in the right place at right time. And I kept coming back to one name. It's a name that I haven't often preached about, and it's a lady named Ruth. Lady named Ruth. And so, what I want to do before I get uh, rolling a little bit is I want to write down some names for you here because um, in Scripture, the Bible means some names. You will have somebody named Boaz. Boaz becomes Ruth's husband after uh, a lot of things, but Boaz is, means strength and he is a redeemer. Okay? He's wealthy. He's single, 
Some of you are saying, where's my Boaz, right? You know, um, wealthy and single. So we have Boaz. Next we have Elimelech, and I don't know how to spell it, so his name is Elim today, all right? Elimelech means that God is my king. Okay, and Elimelech has a wife named Naomi that we have in this situation. Naomi's name means pleasant. Her name means pleasant. And then you have Orpah, not Oprah. Actually, that's where Oprah Winfrey's mother got her, got her, her grandmother got her name. Orpah. I so want to put Oprah. Okay. Orpah. And Orpah means to turn back. And then you have the character in the story. And Ruth means something worth seeing. It means she was good looking. That's what it means. It means she was, you want to stop and look at her, all right? She's a vision of beauty. I just want you to hold this here because there's some things that we, uh, there's some things that I want to, I want to share with you that opens up about some of the names here. Okay, everybody good with those? So what we see is the story of Ruth. As we look at the story of Ruth, there are several different people here. And I want to look at the first part of Ruth here, if you'll look at the scripture with me. In the days when the, of the judges, when they ruled, there was a severe famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Um, here we go. The, the man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and they had two sons, Mahlon and Kilon. They were Ephraimites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went to Moab and lived there. Now, so do everybody understand the situation? There's a famine where they are. They go and leave to another area. Okay, historically, that had been an area in conflict with Israel. So it says, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other one named Ruth. After they lived there about 10 years, both of them died. So they both died. And Naomi was left without her sons and her husband. In other words, you, were, you had nothing. So the story goes like this. Naomi says, here's that back in Bethlehem, there is this blessing there that God is starting to bless the people there. So she decides to go back there. And she tells her two daughters, go ahead, uh, daughter-in-law, go ahead and marry somebody else. They say, no, we're going to be with you. We're going to stay with you. They, they keep, go through this conversation again. Then Orpah, she says to her, no, go back to your own place. And Orpah turns back and goes back to her homeland. Everybody with me? Okay. Ruth says, no. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you pray, I'm going to pray. Wherever you are, I'm going to be with. I'm going to be with you. She didn't have to, but she did. So, so again, they start to head back. Now, here we go. So, um, Elam, boys die. Here God's aiding. They return to Bethlehem. Now, here's something that's really cool. Everybody ready for this? Put your seatbelts on. I think it's cool. If you don't, uh, forgive me. All right? So, here we go. You have... Naomi and Ruth headed back. As they begin to head back to Bethlehem, they say, is that Naomi? And she says, no, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means 
pain, suffering, loss, okay? She experiences loss. So the existence of her is changing. But she brings Ruth back with her. As she comes back, it says that she is with her. They go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem means this. Bethlehem means house of bread, or what bread in the scripture is often used as provision. So in Bethlehem is a house of provision. With me, hold on to it. It's a house of provision. It is in the area of Judah. Judah means praise. Okay? Now I'm going to jump up a little bit here. Moab, where they went to, see, that's where they lived. They lived in Bethlehem of Judah. They lived there, but when it got difficult, they went to Moab. What does Moab mean? Now you're going to think, wow, that sounds really good, from my father. But it's not. It goes back to the Old Testament where Lot and his daughters thought that they were the last people on earth and there was an incestuous relationship, and Moab, the Moabites came from that relationship. So I want to take you back. Where uh, Elimelech and his family were, they were in the house of provision and praise. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get ready and preach here in a second. They were in the house of provision and praise and left it for something that was an artificial copy of what God had provided. You hear me? And what we often do in our lives is when life gets difficult, we leave the place, here we go, of provision and praise, and we end up in something that we think we're going to get something new and different, and it leaves us wanting, and it leaves us bitter, mara. Anybody getting this? And so they thought they were going to a really good place, and it became the place of suffering and bitterness. How many of us in our lives have stepped outside of the place of God's provision and praise only to enter into something that we think is better, only to be left bitter and wanting? We leave this provision and praise of God for something else, for something else. Naomi returned accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter. You see, what we learn is when they entered into Bethlehem, they came back into the house of provision and praise. Back into the place of provision and praise. In Ruth 2, I can go on and on. Basically, they had nothing. And so Naomi told Ruth, just go out and glean in the fields. Anybody know what gleaning in the fields is? When the people would go, they'd collect what they wanted, and then you just went around and picked up what was dropped off and left off. So she's going around doing this, trying to get basically some scraps to feed her and her mother-in-law. And it was not a loving area for, for women, particularly someone who came from the Moabite area. So as she's doing this, she, she happens to be in the field of this guy named Boab, who, Boaz, who is also a strength and provider is what his name means. So here he is. Now remember what Ruth means. What does it mean? Something good to look at, something pretty, something nice. So here we go. As we're, we're looking at this, it says, She's working in the field, belonging to Boaz, not by chance, but by God's intervention. Just then, Boaz arrived, talked to the workers, said, Hey, God be with you, awesome. And Boaz looks across the field and says, Who is that honey over there? That's a Jack translation, all right? But he says, Who does that young woman belong to? And so he walks over to her and says, How you doing? He said, listen, don't go anywhere else. Don't glean. You see, she was that good to look at. He said, don't go in anybody else's field. Just stay here. Hey, and by the way, he started to give her food. He told the other people, said, hey, drop some extra stuff on the ground by her. I like the looks of her. All right? And so 
what we have is in Moab, there was suffering and bitterness. When they got into the place of provision and praise, God began to provide. So often we're in the wrong place because we have bitterness in our lives. We thought it was going to be good, but it didn't turn out that way. Ruth began to find favor with Boaz because she was in the right place that God wanted her. She didn't turn back like Orpah did. How many of us on our dreams in life have turned back on our dreams and left them there and not gone into the place where God has caused us um, blessing and provision all because of maybe one thing called fear? You see, Moab was comfortable to Orpah and so she turned back to what was comfortable. I believe the biggest challenge to our our dreams given by God is our comfort. And we in this country are are challenged more than anybody by our comfort. And so here we go. You have, if, if Ruth had headed back, she would have never been in a place of provision and blessing. And there's some other cool stuff that never would have happened. So later on in this, Ruth begins to say, why, why are you finding favor with me? Why are you finding favor with me? And, and look at what he says here. This is key right here. I've been told about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your mother and father and your homeland and came to live with a people. Go on. You did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. The way she got in the right place was by being the right person and the person who God called us to be. It's, we get so caught up in where we need to be. You know how many years in ministry I've driven myself crazy? God, is this where you want me? Is this the place where you want me? Is this where you want me? Do you want me here? Do you want me here? And God said, I want you to be who I created you to be. And that's when I'm going to bless you. That's when I, when I want to be. That's where I want you to be. So what does God care about when it comes to this whole whole account of being in the right place and the right time? God cares before who, before do. If I say who before do. Like you're in the Dr. Seuss novel, right? Who before do. God cares about the person you are becoming over whatever you do. I know there's young people here trying to figure out what you're going to do in life. I know there's some not... Um, young people here who are trying to find out what you're going to do in life. I'm going to tell you, God cares about that, but it's secondary. It's secondary. What God cares about is this word, your character, who you are. No matter what you do, God wants you to have character. Everybody say character. 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 In 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, it says, God's will is for you to be an accountant. God's will is for you to uh, be a corporate executive. God's will is for you to be a plumber. Is that what it says? No, it says God's will is for you to be what? Holy. Holy. To be holy, to live a life. And this word is hagias, which means set apart. God wants you to be different. God wants you to be different. Jesus rarely ever talked about someone's job. The two things that he talked about the most was your character and your calling. The only time he talked about someone's job was to say, leave it and follow me. That's powerful. Because God may be speaking to someone here today, or someone who's in the sound of my voice, and saying, that job that you put your life in, that's wrapped up so much in your character, God's telling you, leave it and come and follow me. Because you're living in the house of Moab, 
And that's why you're miserable and bitter when God wants you to come into the place of provision and blessing and praise in the house there. It's not a place, it's inside of you where you need to be. It's not a job, it's a person. Let me ask you a quick question. Let me ask you a quick question. How many of you, honestly, go ahead, how many of you honestly believe that I'm called to be a pastor? Go ahead. All right. Okay. I'm going to tell you and I'm going to argue that is secondary to what God wants in my life. Secondary or maybe third down the list. God wants me to be holy. God wants me to have an incredible character in my life. He wants me to become like him more than to be a pastor. Because I can be a pastor and be outside of the will of God. First, if I preach preach this wonderful sermon and then go home and abuse my wife, I am outside of the will of God. With me. So it's not about the position. It's about the character that exists within there. It's not about who, it's not about where to live, what job to have. It's about the integrity that God wants to bring into us. And that brings the second thing that God cares about. The why before the what. The why before the what. In other words, what God cares about in addition to your character is your motives. You know how many people I've known in my life that do good things for the wrong motives? They want to be seen. Remember Jesus said, when you pray... Don't go on a street corner like the Pharisees do. Go to yourself and quiet. That doesn't mean he doesn't believe in public prayer. He just knew their motives were like, look at me. I remember my dad telling me one time, he had a guy who was a guest speaker at church, and they were talking to him, talking just like this. And when the guy stood up and spoke, he started to speak in a British accent. or an Irish, Yeah, and they were like, who in the world is this? You see, it was all fluff. The character came through in the motive, how it went, to make me greater. But as I read the scripture, I must become lesser so he must become greater. It's about the motives. In Proverbs 16, 2, it tells us this. You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your what? Motives. There are two reasons for doing something. What sounds good and what the real reason is. I, uh, I remember several uh, times I've, I've experienced what I call the Tasmanian devil in church, and we, we've had that before. We had, we had people back at the middle school, they'd come in. I remember this one person came in, and they were like, oh, wow, worship's great. We really, really love it. Hey, right here. Hey, you know, we can, we can go, my son and I can go ahead and, and play instruments. We're like, okay, cool. And then they over to Wayne, and was like, anybody seen Tasmanian Devil? Okay, so that's what I'm doing. All right, so whenever Wayne, hey, we can play this. And they're like, hey, sound is good. And Andy was running sound that day, and they right over there. Hey, we can run sound. You know, we can do this. We can do this. Woo! And then, and you ever see what, the, what happens after the Tasmanian Devil and the cartoons happens? There's like a wake of stuff all messy and you leave and you go what was that and you know the person never came back they were willing to do all kinds of things and really had all kinds of ideas but were not willing to step out and do that you know why because it wasn't about god it was about themselves it was the wrong motives and god will not bless the wrong motives you cannot get to the right place when you start with the wrong motive Look at what it says here in Colossians. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. Don't worry so much about the place or or the, the position. Whatever you do, serve Christ there. If you are a fry cook for minimum wage, 
Make those fries the best you can. And then maybe one day you'll get up to burgers. And when you get up to burgers, make the best dang burgers you ever had so I can stick them in my belly. And whatever you can do, whatever you do, do awesome. If you are a stay-at-home mom and you're up to your ears in kids and poop, go ahead. Wipe that poop the best you can and you will give glory to God in it. Because you're shaping lives. And do it with the right motives for Christ. Last thing. God cares more about our direction than our destination. You see, sadly, Orpah, we don't know anything else about her. But I believe that she probably spent a life lost. She's outside of the provision and praise of God. She stayed in Moab. and We don't know anything else to this day, but we do know about Ruth, don't we? We know that Ruth made a decision and headed in a direction. And that direction was one of provision and praise. There's, I challenge you to read Ruth. You can learn their whole story in four chapters. And it's cool. You can learn their whole life story in four chapters. And then after Ruth was pulling stuff off, you know, gleaning and, and getting some extra stuff, her mother said, go ahead and, and lay at the foot of Boaz. I find it a little bit creepy now, but that was part of the practice to say, hey, I want you to, to take away my shame. I want you to cover and, and provide and, and, take, and, and take that from me and marry me. And Boaz said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and do that. And he married her, and they had a, a son, and that son had another son, and the son ended up becoming Obed, and he had a son named Jesse, and Jesse had a son named David, who became one of the greatest kings in Israel. Remember him with Goliath? And, you know, in that lineage, they had somebody named Joseph. And Joseph became the earthly father of Jesus Christ. All because, all because Ruth didn't turn back. All because Ruth headed in the direction of provision and praise. You see, God's will, and this is the last blank I'm going to put in. God's will is a who before a do, a why before a what, and direction before destination. If you want to be in the right place and the right time, say that prayer. Search my heart, O God. And, and check in, in Psalm 139 and see if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the path of righteousness. Direction. Direction. And I guess what? In this world, you'll be Ruth. You'll be something good to look at. Look at somebody and say, hey, Ruth. All right. Hey, Ruth. I don't know what God's saying to you. I know our worship team's going to come up and wrap us up today in this last uh, song, Resurrecting. I know some of you are dealing with the experiences of, of uh, Naomi that you're experiencing an incredible loss right now. Some of you are like Orpah. You're headed in, you've been headed in a direction and you turn back and your dreams seem shattered. Be Ruth. Be Ruth. Be Ruth and lean on our provider and our strengthener. His name is Jesus. So let's stand where we are right now. Lord God, I just want to give you thanks again. And I thank you that um, 
that as we are wondering where the right place and the right time is, help us look at where you are in our lives. So God, as we, uh, as we spend the rest of this last song together and we, and we worship you, may we just focus and worship on you. Feeling your presence in our lives. Some of us have been in Moab way too long. And we just need to get back to that place of provision. In order to do that, we need to follow what the scripture says, praise. We need Judah. We need Judah. You, you inhabit our Judah. You inhabit our praise. So God, at this moment, and this is the last time as we are corporately together this week, inhabit our praise. Put us in the right place of heart and mind, regardless of everything that's going around us, the, the Merah, the, the, the uh, Orpah, the, all the other stuff that is happening to us, God, and let us just be in the right place with you at this moment. Somebody wants to pray, they can do it here. If not, they can do it in their seats. But wherever you are, spirit move. We give you the glory and the honor. As right here today, I pray that every one of us is in the right place at the right time for you to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bye.
Next week, 
Um, I know Melinda's going to pull something out before we do that. Melinda, go ahead and show them a picture. Keep going. Keep going. No. <laughs> you can actually see us there. See us? See us down the bottom? That's me down the bottom by the CBS thing. And that's Melissa behind the CBS thing. See, I told you I was on David Letterman. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> all right. Um, see, I told you I wasn't lying. Um, all right. So um, next week, our me- message next week, we're going to continue with this. We're going to talk about living the dream. Okay? And one of the things we're going to talk about is um, not letting our dreams die. Not letting them die. All right? Have an awesome week in Jesus. We love you. Say hi to somebody.